good afternoon or good evening, whatever time you have joined us at. Thank you and welcome to the Daily Record Celtic podcast. Our weekly look at the big issues involving Neil Lennon and his squad on and off the pitch as the countdown continues to the start of the new campaign. As ever, there's plenty of talking points around at the moment. The champions have just returned from the lengthy break away from Glasgow. Uh, we're in Loughborough first for a training camp, then across the English Channel to France for a trio of friendly matches. Lee Griffiths, of course, wasn't with the squad, so over the next half hour or so, we'll cover that huge topic, as well as many others which are around the club at the moment. Lennon is obviously working with some familiar faces at the moment, which means transfer and comings are on the agenda. Well, the fixture list has now been bulked up yet more with the inclusion of the Scottish Cup semi-finals and final before Christmas to go with the Betfred Cup and the Premiership and the Champions League. My name is Craig Swan, but given the importance of the topics up for discussion, it's important to have the best pundit in the business with us to go through it all. So with that in mind, former Celtic hero and record sports own Chris Sutton will take you through all of these major talking points if he is there. Chris, are yeah, you with good us? Morning. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Did you like Thanks that? Thanks for having like, me on. It was, yeah, like the Eurovision, it was like the Eurovision Song Contest. Well, that was good. To, in the fact that you covered all bases, so you didn't offend anybody there. So well done. Nice fence, start. Fence setting. Fence setting. Yeah, We're starting as we mean to go on. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, good. <laughs> so what are we talking about? Well, I suppose France, first of all, um, and just mm. where Celtic are at the moment. Chris, um, obviously, a lot. some people put far too much store, I would suggest, in overall results and performances yeah. from pre-season games. It tends to be smaller, more nuanced things which, which which take control of these things, different formations, individuals doing okay. From what you saw of the three matches against Nice, Leon and Paris Saint-Germain, what were, what were your main takeouts? Um, well, first of all, I mean, as a former player a long time ago now, I, I, I personally didn't, uh, read too much into pre-season in terms of results they don't matter of course the most important thing is when the season starts are real whether as Champions League qualifiers or the or the league season then uh, you know that's that's the important time when you have to hit the ground running at various teams who I've uh, I've played for have had differing results in pre-season at Norwich City we lost every game one pre-season and ended up finishing third in the Premier League so mm-hmm. uh, it, you know the the most important thing is 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 coming through unscathed with injuries and uh, and getting the fitness levels to a, to a really high level to hit the ground running. That's the most important thing. I think that uh, with, with with the workout with the games. I mean, his sort of toed and froed. Uh, the first uh, game against Nice, Neil went pretty strong. Uh, second game against Leon multiple changes and then the last half hour went pretty strong and uh, you know a, a decent enough performance and against PSG went strong PSG the good team which they are an, an array of stars on the pitch and Mbappe Neymar Di Maria Riccardi um, proved too strong but I think that, that Neil would have been satisfied I saw what he said after the game with the workout and personally I would have preferred workouts like the players I've had against Top level opposition, not games where you just turn up and and thump team six eight nil. You know that, that you're not going to get much out of, out of almost games the nat- like that, that that Celtic have have at the test. Almost the nature of the preseason this year, Chris. I guess 
made it that that had to be so, didn't it? There's usually a slow build-up. You can play a couple of local amateur teams from Austria or Germany, win whatever, 7-8, yeah. 9-0. But the way it's been condensed the pre-season this season made it probably essential to get up to speed as quickly as was kind of safely possible in fitness terms. So you're right, those games are probably ideal, aren't they? The, the better player facing Mbappe and, and, and Neymar and guys like that is probably the best way. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's what that's what players like. You you learn more from playing against better opposition, and you're talking about some of the best players in the world. PSG are exceptionally strong. We've seen that in recent seasons when when Celtic were were drawn against them in the Champions <laughs> League and, and absolutely dumped. I think the players would have relished uh, the opportunity to play against some world class players, which they have, uh, and learnt a lot. The main thing is, whatever anybody says, is that the players are absolutely ready first day of the season, which is only just over a week away. Now, I gave you the big build-up, Chris, as being the main pundit. <laughs> yeah, but, did, you, did you write that yourself? or was Well, it you see, well I, just, I, just, I just said what you texted to me to say um, but it's always important to see that's good for you yeah it's always mm. important to see games in the flesh if you're going to assess them properly now while you are the best pundit we did have our man Michael Gannon over in France who mm. witnessed the three games and was there so Michael I know has flights and trains and security tests and all sorts to get back from France um, but we are hoping he's on the line to join us to give us a, a sort of first-hand account to how it all went. So let's give it a go. Michael, are you, are you with us? Bonjour, Swanee. How are we? How all are? good, Michael. All good. How are you? Uh, we're not too bad. Yeah, we're just heading up to, um, heading home from France after a, a week out here with Celtic. Eh? It's, been a, it's been a productive week for everyone, I think. What was the uh, overall feeling, Michael? You're on, you're on your way home now. You obviously spoke to the squad all the way through the, through the trip. As everyone sort of said their, their goodbyes last night um, uh, on Tuesday night after the Paris Saint Germain game, what's, what's the overall impression of the trip from, from your from I your angle? Celtic are, I think Celtic are a good place right now. I mean, listen, they've had three games in a week and they've, they've not won any of them. Um, but results, listen, results don't matter at this time of the season. I think there's enough to be seen in these three games to take a lot of positives for, for Celtic this season. I think they've looked pretty sharp, considering they've not played for five months. Um, I think for an, an hour against uh, Nice. Probably the last half an hour when the first team are playing against Leon and then in, in spells against PSG, I think they've looked pretty sharp, pretty good, look, look very fit. Um, obviously, there's a wee bit of rust there as well. You have to be expected, not kicked the ball in early since March, remember. But I think in terms of their preparation, they seem to be on the, on the right track. They look pretty strong. Like I say, they, they look in, in, in decent nick. There's positives from even from the PSG game Tuesday night. Listen, they got a bit of, listen, they got a bit of a chase in the end. But you're talking about a team that's worth, I think the start of them is worth 650 million quid. No bad, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> uh, quite a bit of perspective. Uh, that covers your bar bill in France. <laughs> well, exactly. That was a, that was a cock machine and a pint, actually. <laughs> uh, but no, I think I actually think it played quite well in spells in that game as well. So, um, yeah, it's done the job. It's pre-season. Listen, there's nothing won in pre-season. So it's a case of building fitness. And I think they can win a good bit this week. I hate to put you in the spot, Michael, but was there anybody in particular or, or, or any particular aspects of it which really stuck out, stuck out? any individuals? Um, Ryan Christie was obviously well spoke about, Mohamed El Yunus from what we saw on the TV, but obviously you guys saw it firsthand, which is the only way to see a game properly. What, what, what stuck out? Yeah, I think, I think, some, I, think um, I think, I think, I was surprised at how, actually, how sharp they actually looked as a whole, how they moved the ball about so well. Um, but the certain players I think did well. I think Greg Taylor looked, looked apart, a lot of good deliveries in a few games. 
Um, Patrick Kilmala came on and scored his first goal for Celtic. Thought he looked good in the first game. Second game found a bit tougher, I think. But he showed that he's, he's maybe ready to contribute. Um, guys like your usual guys, like Callum McGregor and all that stuff, Chris Ferrier, Mr. Julian, all looked, looked basically picked up with the left off. Um, Austin Edwards still could do a wee bit, a wee bit of sharpness in front of goal, but he always a threat. Elanusi looks some good, Nick. I think he's one who really made the benefit, actually, of had five months off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, given his injury problems last season, mm-hmm. um, there's a wee scare for Mohamed, um, Hatim El Hamid, uh, but he seems to be okay as well. But no, they're, they're looking decent, Nick. Still a few question marks. I still think there's a few areas in the squad that need to be addressed. Um, I still think maybe competition at left back as well. So I'm still not sure about Colin Goley. Is he going to cut it this year? We'll need to wait and see. Centre half, they could, they, could, they could do with backup at centre half, I think. Alone years we Tom played there against PSG. Talk about getting into the, <laughs> the deep end that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then we'll need to wait and see. Obviously, what happens to Lee Griffiths when they get back? See what kind of condition he's in now, and whether yeah. he's ready to play catch up with the rest of the squad. Um, so I think I think they I think they're comfortably in, in decent shape, but there's no work to be done. Can you give us some insight, please, Michael? Having having been there on the ground, um, the experience of the games. We've obviously we've all been to pre-season matches um, behind closed doors, game bounce games, training games. Um, we've had a small taste of it from the English Premier League and the Bundesliga and various other places. What was it? Can you give us an insight into what it was like, Michael, inside the stadium? Even more so with the, the games where there was a really small attendance because I think we've got an idea that the behind closed doors will be just quite eerie but when you had like I think was it 5,000 at the Leon game and five something similar at the PSG game and a big stadium did it work or was it enough to make it feel okay or was it still pretty meh what, what was your take on it? Listen we got about everything because the first game against Nice there was only a couple of hundred at it because um, the locals waited for the second game obviously they were playing the second game so that was that kind of strange and then you had limited crowd four or five thousand at the Lyon game and then five thousand um, PSG the PSG game actually created not a bad little atmosphere they had a kind of um, ultra section and they'd been well worn because I think the PSG had problems in their first couple of games and it was, it was weird seeing the kind of ultra spaced out and yeah. social distance but they seemed, listen, they made, a good, they made a bit of noise as well when there was the music in the stadium it was actually okay listen it's not going to be like we all know and wanted to be like at this point in time. Of course. It's, um, it's, but it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, 5,000 in a big 60, 70,000 stadium can still make a noise and create something. Yeah, that's that's, that's got to be good news for the players, it surely. Listen, it's nowhere near what you're, what you're used to hearing. Uh, of course obviously, not. Obviously, in, in Paris, uh, the last time round, the place was rocking. The Celtic were there. Uh, and you see, that's a parkhead, it's always the same, especially these European nights. So it's going to be weird. It isn't going to be quite the same, even with just, with just numbers. But with just numbers, it's better than nothing. That's, I think that's the way to put it. Yeah. It's, at least it's something. Yeah. Um, it does can, can, can create a wee bit of an atmosphere. I mean, there's no point. I mean, I don't know if I've played music and all that stuff and then go announcements, but there's nobody there. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a bit weird. At least there's people there, it's for, for somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, it was okay. Good. It was okay. It's, um, everyone keeps calling us a new normal and all that stuff, but we're going to need to get used to it, I guess, for a while. But hopefully, not too long. Would you say, now that you're on your way back, Michael, would you say Celtic are ready to go for the first game? Or maybe just one or two knocks at home? One or, one or two bounce games at home just before the kick-off against Hamilton on Sunday week? Or would well, do you think they would be ready to go now? Or do you, no, I think, I, think they could do, I think they could do a couple more games, to be honest with you. I think this pre-season has been... Oh, listen, it's the longest pre-season they've had for about 20 years, probably, given the way it's been the staggered return. Yeah. Um, but it's also been weird because usually the, you, you, you play your first games against your local team of farmers and all that stuff yeah. and you knock the tent past them and you build up the standard 
Celtic have started the bar at, at Nice, then got to Lyon, then got to PSG. I mean, it's pretty tough games to start off. Yeah. But I think that will, that will have kind of passed them down the line slightly, but I think they could yep. do with a couple of games against maybe perhaps comparable opposition. I know they're talking about playing behind closed doors with Motherwell. Uh, I know there's, there's, there's talk of Dundalk or Derry lined up for the weekend. These games, I think, will be good because of a different standard that, they, that maybe more used to domestically. Um, I think the PSG stuff and all that is good for concentration in terms of Champions League qualifiers. But I think they could do with a kind of just a wee range finder in the home front. So I think these games, I think they can get some stuff lined up the next week. It would be beneficial. So they're not quite there yet. I mean, they've only had players at, uh, an hour, and I don't know, the first two games an hour each. And in the second game, most of the, the first team players played most of the game. But that's one ninety minutes under the belt. They could do it, do it more. So I think that'll be crucial in the next kind of week. Michael, thank you. We can hear the airport announcements in the background, so it sends us all your... Last call for Mr Gannon. Last call for Mr Gannon. So, Michael, we thank you very much for joining us. Safe trip home, and we'll see you back here soon. Nice one. Good to hear from Michael there. You'll be glad the big man's all right, Chris. Yeah, he speaks a lot of sense, doesn't he, Mick? I mean, (laughs) every few days over in France, I heard he's been hitting the bars hard, but... um, Mm -hmm. Good knowledge. Good knowledge, Mick. Mm. (laughs) Now, Michael's coming back. The squad are back before him. Um, When they get back, they will be reunited with a certain Lee Griffiths who didn't make the trip to Loughborough or to France. Now, it's been a few days now. You've you've had a say on it in the newspaper, Chris, but as it stands at the moment, what what do you make of it all, The, the, the situation with Lee and where he stands right now? Um, where he stands right now is fighting for his career. Certainly at Celtic, maybe for his football career, full stop. I, I find the whole thing, and you know, I know Lee's had, had problems, and we sympathise with that. But this, this has been um, uh, the the four months when we're off, uh, you know, through lockdown. This has been an opportunity for Lee to really get in ship shape condition he's had massive issues uh, with his fitness levels came back transformed Celtic season mm-hmm. that two up top absolutely phenomenal linked well with Edward it was great to see him back he seemed happy um, and while all the other players would have had programs the same as Lee during the period which they were off he, he should have used that opportunity to get himself in, in tip top condition and I think that he's He's let the club down badly. He's let his teammates down. It's it's pretty deplorable. I mean, some of, the st- at- some of the some of the stuff, Chris, overweight, out of condition, social media nonsense. I mean, it wasn't just a gentle tickle in the ribs from the manager. This was, no. you know, that was a serious shot across the bows. That was either, you know, initially people could have been excused for thinking it was maybe the end for him. Um, but Neil spoke after the Paris Saint-Germain game said nope I haven't even thought about sending him out on loan so do you suggest that's exactly what it was a real final dig in the ribs come on now you're needed uh, yes I do I, I mean how valuable has Lee Griffiths been to Celtic even even when it looked like, at times last season where it wasn't going to quite happen mm-hmm. over, 100 goals, over 100 goals over 100 goals for the club you, yeah. and, what, and what, what also what but, also but, but, but more, importantly, more, important, more importantly, was 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 his value uh, when Celtic not not that they were struggling, but the change of system and his value to that particular system, and it worked. It transformed Celtic season. So now they've they've gone into preseason games, and I know they played a, you know a, a back five against 
PSG, they can't even work on that particular system because he's actually not there. So that may work against Celtic in the early games, Champions League qualifiers, where, where, where we know they're going to be one-game shootouts. So you need your best players ready, and, and it doesn't look like Lee's going to be ready. And he's only got himself to blame. You know, there, there are absolutely no excuses. There's no point posting things on social media. I'm going to get fit now, and that's why. If I was, if I was a, a member of, uh, of the Celt- of the current Celtic team, and I'd be having harsh words with him. They, they, I was going to ask must... you that. Oh, I was going to ask God, you that. What, what would you be like if you're one of the boys? You've been you've, you've been in enough dressing rooms in your day, Chris. What, 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 what would be the reaction you... amongst the other boys from your experience? Well, you only have to look at the, at school. Brown and I know, you know, is Lee's mate, but he's going to feel let down with what's at stake this season. There's ten in a row, which yeah. is there for Celtic. And do Celtic have um, a, a, a ready-made replacement for Lee in the wings? Bio, no. Klimala, albeit you know he's bulked up a little bit in pre-season and tried hard. They're not as good as Lee Griffiths. So therefore, Celtic are down really to one striker at this moment in time. And that's well, that, all. Um, it's, not, it's not self that That's all because Lee Griffiths, quite frankly, couldn't be asked to go running when everybody else... And actually, and actually, said, and actually, actually said to himself during lockdown, during interview, called it potentially the biggest season in the club's history. If you remember, we spoke about this in a previous pod. Well, well, you know, I know you don't agree with him, but... So he obviously understands how important the season is, which makes it all the more unusual. Well, speak louder than words. It's, it's not difficult. Yeah. You know, he's getting on a bit. Um, is he 29 now? Coming, I'm not saying he's coming towards the end of his career. But the issue you have as a striker is, you know, it's different from other positions where you, you know, I was, I was fortunate in some ways that I could be adaptable and play different positions. Lee Griffiths can't play any other position. No, he can't drop back to centre half. Yeah. As, as, well, other than a central striker, I know he's played off the, um, off the wide areas. Uh, I think he played under was it, under uh, Ronnie Dyler off a wide area for, uh, at times, wide right coming inside. But that's not his position, is it? You know, he he is he is a number nine, and he, he's crucial to Celtic. And he can't be bothered to get fit. He can't be bothered to get up to speed. That's that's just totally wrong. It's unacceptable. And I'm sure the players will be having words. They'll be feeling let down. That's a big part of their arsenal. You know, big part of the the firepower. Uh, who just can't be bothered. And with with what's at stake, Champions League qualifiers, one game hits, one yeah. game shoot, the money which is involved with them. When, and, you know, clubs have been hit hard, haven't they, with this, with this COVID, and that's going to have financial implications. So yeah. the importance of the Champions League. Now, we can talk about what's more important this season, the 10 or the Champions League. The Champions League still is, is crucial for Celtic to get into, because that will give them better financial stability and, and you know, more power for the manager to, to actually uh, go out and, and spend money. And at this moment in time, I'm looking at Celtic squad and thinking they're well short. They're well short. Going into the season, Neil Lennon is well short of players. And the fact that he, he, he must be thinking about the Griffiths situation and he must be thinking at this moment in time, in an ideal world... I want another striker in. That is what I would be thinking. 
I mean, that is takes us nicely, Chris, into the the transfer window. Obviously, we got news confirmation um, recently that it would be October five would would be the close. Um, the Champions League qualifiers obviously end at the end of September, so you've spoken about the potential importance of it for the finance with the COVID situation um, that Celtic get there and obviously there's domestic issues we've spoken before ourselves on the podcast about I think it's, we've spoken ad nauseum about the fact we know the goalkeeper situation's ongoing and, and that's been looked at we know that they're looking for a centre half um, the general consensus I believe from you Chris so far has been midfield's pretty strong as long as no one goes yep. it might be one in one out but now you feel striker has to be added to that list now because you're not sure about Clamalla, not sure about Bio at this stage. And that was all based, what you'd said previously, on them stepping up to back up Odson Edward and Lee Griffiths. But now there may be a situation where there isn't two to back up, it's only one. So a striker now almost as important, not as important as a goalkeeper, of course, because they desperately need the goalkeeper. We know that. But has it now become a prime thing or do you think Lee Griffiths can get himself back to where he needs to be um, or is that not a gamble Neil Lennon can take if I was Neil I wouldn't I wouldn't trust Lee Griffiths to get back to, to the level of fitness with with the lack of application which he's shown over the period and he, he, he shouldn't trust him why, why should he trust him with what is at stake this season actions speak louder than words he sat, he, he sat on his backside for months, while other players have shown a dedication to the club and the training and understood the importance. Lee hasn't done that. So he now has to try and get himself into some sort of physical condition, which is acceptable. But the fact that he wasn't taken to Loughborough, the fact that he wasn't taken to France, the fact that the season starts in just over a week, he's not going to be ready. Are you telling me he's going to be ready for the Champions League qualifiers, the importance of them? Celtic can't afford to, to drop points early on in the league and to give the rivals a sniff at this moment in time. That, that, that can't. So how can, how can he trust? How can he trust Lee Griffiths throughout the season now? How can he trust him to, to show the dedication that other players have shown? So I actually think at this moment in time, a striker and a goalkeeper, when you talk about priority, absolutely the same. Exactly the same. Neil Lennon needs a striker in and he needs a striker in fast it's interesting to hear you say Chris that you think at the moment the squad is short when you look at it perhaps yeah. in depth rather than quality now the Champions League qualifiers have often in the past been make or break for a few of the of the major players um, and obviously mm -hmm. there's a lot of speculation around Odds and Edward and Christopher Iyer and various other guys do you feel that this season obviously the Covid-19 impact on finances at football clubs and Neil said himself in France a couple of days ago that every player has a price and that is the same for world football I guess at any club unless you're Real Madrid or Barcelona um, that mm -hmm. anyone can go but do you think that should Celtic exit the Champions League and not make the group stages it would have a detrimental effect in terms of keeping the main players or do you think the importance of the domestic season will make them stay anyway so you're so you're you're inferring that if Celtic get knocked out of the Champions League or don't make the the group stages of the Champions League that they could possibly sell Odson Edward? That can't happen. That, my point that, is, my point is, I I, I I remember being. I don't. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, I remember 
various situations in the past. That, for instance, any hope, any vague hope that Celtic had of keeping Virgil Van Dijk evaporated the night he went. They went out Malmo, and this, he went to Southampton a couple of days later. Well, that's what I'm asking. Is it different now because of what's at stake? That it wouldn't matter what the financial implications are and what they offer us. There's so much well, at stake well, domestically that everyone would stay. Well, we'll have to see what happens in terms of transfers coming in first before the Champions League qualifiers. But there, there is not a cat in hell's chance a Celtic will sell Odson Edward even if they go out of the Champions League. Who are they going to play up front? Are they going to play with no centre-forward if Griffiths isn't fit? And Klamala's not up to it and Bayer's not up to it? So that, that just cannot happen. That absolutely, they, they cannot go into the... It, well, they'll be into the league season, but they cannot go all season um, <laughs> without... Edouard Ed, Ed, Ed was probably a, a bad example, given the fact that there is nothing to replace him with. But for instance, an Olivier Cham, for example, someone put no, 10 or 12 million pounds shouldn't down. Sell him. Absolutely not. Shouldn't sell him. Because if, if they do sell him, what happens if, uh, if McGregor gets injured or Christie gets injured? Volume of games, Brown had a little niggle in pre-season... They can't afford to, to, you know, give give players who uh, aren't quite up to the mark an opportunity. This isn't this isn't a season to to trial and test with. This is a season where efficiency is absolutely key. So therefore, don't sell and sham. They've got a problem in the left back area, I think, because Bowling Goalie, with the greatest will in the world, has been useless in preseason. Yeah. From from what I've seen. So you're possibly Taylor, talking maybe four steady. or five to come in with none going out. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. if I was Neil Lennon, I'd, I'd be chomping at the bit for that. I'd be demanding that. I, this I mentioned, you know, I don't keep going back over old ground. Johnny Hayes, that whole situation, baffling that they've let Johnny Hayes go uh, after seeing Bolingoli's performance. Do do we think Bolingoli can turn it round in a Celtic jersey? I don't think so from what I've seen. So what happens if Greg Taylor gets injured? Answers on a postcard. Well, right. You're right. What have they got? Yeah. The centre of defence needs covered. Left back needs covered by the look of it. You're right. Striker may need covered depending on Griffiths. Yeah. Goalkeeper, as we said. I think what you're saying will reassure a lot of the Celtic supporters, Chris, because there will be those who would have read the comments from Neil Lennon and seen that he said everyone's available at a price and got worried. But is that just is that just in keeping with every other club, as we suggested, that that's just how it is in the world just now? Or do you think it won't matter? It won't matter what bids come in, given the way the squad is just now. Because this was Neil who said it. Well, Edward's the, the big one, isn't he? But Celtic needs strength in depth in the striking department before they can even, even contemplate selling a striker. Celtic do not have that. In mid in midfield, they need strength in depth because if there are injuries in every in every area, they need strength in depth. They don't they don't want to keep losing players, and this is this is a really important balance. I think it's important. Uh, coming back is a good sign for Celtic. I know he got uh, got got a knock against uh, Leon, didn't he? But the issue with El Hamid, and I've been really. Um, impressed with him in a Celtic jersey but he is injury prone isn't he well I just, it was one serious injury wasn't it 
you know, it's, it's hard to call him injury prone. It was one bad injury. It wasn't like he had two or three. You know, it wasn't like he came back and something else happened. It was more just one bad injury. So I guess the jury's out on that. Um, as mm. regards whether it was just whether it was just a one-off. So you you saying they don't need another centre half in? I no, I, but I, my personal belief is they do need another one. Yeah, I think every yeah. club needs four. Starting yep. off and and patching patching Nyer Beaton into that position is not really answering the question. So I, so I wouldn't it, have thought. It, so with with reasonable expectations, we, we, we'd both agree they need a centre half in. They need a left back in. Celtic need a centre forward in, and they need another goalkeeper in because Scott Bain, I think, I think okay, backup keeper. But is Scott Scott Bain going to keep you in European competition? Is Scott Bain going to be the difference between winning another title or not? I don't think that Celtic can take that risk. Goalkeepers can be trophy winners, can't they? As, as we've discussed ad nauseum about Fraser yep. Forster and Hamden last year one other thing I wanted to touch on Chris you touched upon it was the the depth of squad and what's going to be needed this year now Celtic always play lots of fixtures between 50 and 60 every season normally um, the, 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 the fixture list is obviously condensed slightly this year games are being crammed in the Scottish Cup has to be finished from, from last season which we've talked about we've now got the dates for that um, That's going to fail. End of lot, October, I believe. Scottish Cup final five days before Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> potentially Europe. <laughs> like, a, like some job for the commercial department to get a DVD out in four days. <laughs> yeah. But, but I tell you what, I tell you what, they'll try. They'll probably make it happen. How is that burden for players before? Uh, is there any concern for, Celt- for Celtic in that one, Chris, in the sense that? The past two or three seasons, Celtic have had to reboot and refresh in Dubai because they have looked tired coming into the second half of the season and they've really kicked on after being freshened up. Is there any concern there or is it more of a case that it's more of a concern for everyone else? Because everyone's in more or less in the yeah. same boat and Celtic yeah, should have the biggest squad. Um, I think it's a, it's a concern for for every club, isn't it? The volume of games, but all this this whole situation and what we've discussed, and, and the fact there are so many games, tells me at this moment in time, Celtic are well short in terms of strength in depth, and that that is why the situation has to be addressed. That is why Celtic would be mad to sell in Sham. They would be sad to uh, sorry. They would they they would be absolutely. It would be ridiculous to sell and jam and let other players go when they actually need players in. They, they don't want to be shipping players out at this moment in time. And Neil Lennon will know that. And eventually, with, with what's at stake, he needs to dig his heels in with this one. The problem, I guess, that, that Neil has as well, given the demands of Celtic in England, there has been situations in the past where clubs have prioritised the League Cup has maybe taken a back seat or whatever if you know if you've got big European games that can't happen at Celtic you know, that, you know all, all the trophies it just doesn't it just can't uh, and it's, which puts the pressure on the main players all of the time which I guess adds to your argument or your debate that you know they're going to need more they're going to need more yeah but the beauty of the League Cup um, is I mean the importance of it is um, that it's it's normally the first trophy isn't it of the season so for Celtic and Rangers of course the importance of winning that just to, just for the relief factor is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Well, last um, season showed that. Last season, I mean, yeah, how different yeah. could the season have turned out had Rangers won it handed 
and Celtic not yeah. got the better of them, but Celtic struck such a blow that day at Hamden. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Celtic and Rangers, it's about winning trophies. Celtic have won uh, bundles and bundles in the last however many years and then Rangers have, have won trophies and celebrated trophies which have been pretty meaningless, haven't they? And that, that's that's been the difference. I think if you're near Lennon, you're looking across the city and you're thinking a challenge has to come at some time. Will it be this season? And that's what I think Celtic have thought the same thing the last couple of seasons. And, and said many times the players shouldn't get bored and that they... You know they should be so proud of what they've achieved the last couple of seasons because the winning can't go on forever. Eventually, there there will be a turn. But with what's at stake this season, nobody actually winning the ten. This is it's it's crucial that uh, that Neil Lennon gets over the line. But it's and if if they want him to get over the line, it's crucial that they give him the tools to do so. So at the many moment, other... he doesn't have the tools. Doesn't have them at the moment. You don't feel. Are, are you telling me, unless Celtic are unbelievably lucky, that they can go through the season with the strength and depth currently in the squad, with a goalkeeper who, um, with the greatest respect, isn't a number one at Celtic, with the Griffith situation up in the air, not knowing what the hell's going to happen with him. Are you telling me that Celtic have a, have a squad depth strong enough to, uh, to win another treble? I don't think so. I'm I, sure I there, really I'm sure there will so. be supporters out there who think they are good enough. They do, they have. Well, I mean, if uh, last season, uh, the, the, there was six months without El Hamed, there was three months without El Yanusi, there was... Long periods without Rogic, long period without Christie, missed players last year and still managed it. But you think that that can't, that they just can't can afford Ce- that? Can Celtic do without Odson Edward? When I when I, when I played at Celtic, uh, if if Larson was injured, then we'd have John Hartson or myself who could play that role. And then there was oh, always very modest, very modest. There was, but, but I'm just, but I'm just. I'm not saying we could replace Larson. <laughs> he used to bail us out all the time. But you, you get my point. There yes, isn't I do. A I'm, just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, that's fine. There isn't a replacement for Odson Edward. There isn't a replacement for Christopher Julian. So if anything happens, happens to these players, and injuries do happen in football, we're all aware of that. Who's, who's, who's going to fill the void? Who's going to come in and step up and do a job which these players have done? So therefore, the manager will be sitting on the bench week in and week out with his fingers crossed, praying that he doesn't get injuries to key men. And that, and we've spoken about the midfield area. That's the only area where you could look at Celtic and say, do you know what? I, I think they're all right there, strength and depth. Yeah. Every other area on the pitch is a massive, massive concern for me, looking at it from the outside. And, and Neil's not daft. Neil will, will be aware of that. Left back, you've got your... I mean, right back may be OK because you've got El Yunusi, you've got El Hamid. Um, but, you know, you're, looking at, you're actually looking at the wide areas. You're thinking James Forrest, who's been such a consistent performer. If he gets injured and is out for a while, I know Christie's gone out and done a good job at, 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 at times, but he's not, you know, it's not the same. 
And Mikey Johnson's Mikey Johnson's injured again. Yeah, 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 injured again. Yeah. So, so you know, Neil will have to be so so lucky in terms of his main men staying fit to uh, to win every trophy this season at this moment in time. But everybody can see what needs to be done, and yeah. they just need to do it. Now, of course, everybody will be in that. Many of the clubs will be in the same boat, Chris, and you'll obviously have. We've had the, the the various issues and different things, box ticking, housework things that have been done this week. There's been talk about the five subs rule. Um, clubs are being allowed extra loans this season to try and help beef up their squads down at the bottom. I guess that comes back to what you said before again, that if Celtic are strong enough, the changes that will happen should make it better for them because they have the bigger squad. Um, it's, it's almost, given the, the amount of time we're hearing all of these things and given the amount of time that we've had to wait, it's, it's almost incredible to think it's Sunday week uh, for Celtic's first game in the, in the Premiership against Hamilton. You've had a month or so of it down south. What, what, what can we expect, Chris? What, 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 what can people expect from the matches? Can, can, can we expect intensity the way that you would normally expect it? Uh, are they, uh, are they nah, dull? Are they poor? Are they... You've seen it. You've been there. You've done it. Tell well, us, you've got tell to, us what they're going to be like. Well, you you do have televisions uh, in Scotland. I know that. I mean, uh, inside um, the stadium because yeah, it's fake no, on television. You. you can get yeah. fake noise. You've been there. You've seen it. No, it is. Answer the question, yeah, it, man. It, 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 yeah, I'm getting there. We'll give us a chance. Uh, <laughs> it is different, and it will it it will feel so odd. I think for the for the players first and foremost. I think for the supporters, of course. You know, it's it's different. No supporters in the stadiums will have a massive impact. And football isn't quite the same. And it's something you have to get your head around it. There there have been so many games, um, which, you know, we've all watched games on television. But in many respects, I think there has been an overkill. And some of the games have been dreadful. And, and certainly the cup competitions, especially where I was at Wembley at the weekend to, uh, to do the, the cup semi-finals. That that's when it really hits home, uh, you know, for the likes of Arsenal, Manchester City. What an occasion that would have been for forty, fifty thousand Arsenal fans being in that stadium, yeah. Yeah. and and you know, it supporters are what the game is about, and sorely, sorely missed. From a player's perspective, though, it's one of those situations where not ideal, but they have to get their head around it and get their head around it fast. And concentrate on the start of the season because, as we, you know, have known for a long time that that Celtic and Rangers and if there's any other challengers, they can't afford to start the season slowly and drop five, seven points in the first month. That, that just cannot happen. So hitting the ground running is absolutely crucial. Keeping the foot down on the gas is absolutely vital, and just powering off from the start and you know we may be in a situation where the season comes down to the the Celtic Rangers derbies again but you but Celtic and Rangers would 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 just be concentrating on churning out result after result and that's that's the focus and Neil will be aware of that and everything I've said about uh, Celtic and their situation and not having enough players in I'm I'm sure that uh, Stephen Gerrard will be will be thinking the same across the city at Rangers and be thinking, you know, we need we need strength and depth. We fell away, and there are more question marks over there um, after what's happened after Christmas the last couple of seasons. 
where they need to uh, to show their resolve after Christmas. Celtic have been there and done it. But but what that means is that Celtic cannot rest on their laurels. They have to they have to take each season in isolation. And this is where they have shown incredible mentality. And it helps when you have a Scott Brown and, and a, you know the likes of Callum McGregor and Forrest in the in the dressing room. But it's a new season. It's a, you know it's a, it's a new chance and the title's up for grabs and I think every season Celtic have shown that hunger and they've shown that hunger the whole season where the difference with Rangers is they have just been very very good in patches you don't win titles in Scotland by being good in patches it's over the course and the distance where you have to show the consistency. Chris. Thank you on behalf of myself and all the listeners. Anything else you wish to slot in? Is that just about covered it? You happy? No, I'm, no, I'm, you happy? I'm happy. I'm Please. exhausted. I'm going, going for a lie down. You happy? You know, lie down. Lie down. Yep. Another, another big afternoon at Sutton Towers. Yeah, well, uh, well it's never big afternoons, Swanee. A bit of mucking out and walking the dogs and trimming the hedges. Oh, toss. And that's me. It's not, you know, it's not. Chris, Country fire. Alan Shearer would say. Yeah. Country file. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> Chris, thanks very much for joining us. Also, a big thank you to Michael Gannon, who joined us yeah, he was good, on his way back from France. Sense, mate. Yeah, he can't beat me. Hungover. He's the main man. He's the main man. And thank you to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week, obviously, closer to that Premiership opener. We'll see if Chris's wishes for more signings to be in the door have happened by that time. Or if, am I on next week? We'll have to assess this one and see. We'll, we'll get back. I normally we'll, we'll, do one and then and then I'm biffed off for a couple of weeks. But that's we'll fine. call. We'll call you, Chris. It's the, the season. The football's back. We can't. We can't do it without you. Um, <laughs> Celtic Park will be you empty can. for the opener against Hamilton Ackies, but we won't be without Sutty. So when we're back next week, <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will all speak. Um, have a good day. Have a good week. We'll speak next week. Good luck. Cheers, Ronnie.